it starts with just a conversation. Yeah. Hi, I'm Clem Liu. Welcome to the second season of Just Sustainability. previous episode of Just Sustainability, we ended with Janice Watts telling us about making change within sustainability-oriented organizations and encouraging better integration of equity and sustainability within our work. In this episode, we'll pick up where we left off and continue to learn more about what Janice thinks is required for sustainability-centered organizations to more effectively include equity into their work. It takes such an intention, mm-hmm. right? And it takes support and resources and active listening and active participation uh and 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 that trust to just like we're all figuring this out together yeah. right i mean i imagine and what you would say to this too right but like there are so many days where i i'm like sitting here like okay i don't have all the answers no. <laughs> uh, i'm trying to figure <laughs> this out too yeah. and it, even though like it feels like okay this is my job <laughs> to have the answers but like it's also not like this is also a journey that each one of us are have to undertake on a personal level as well as a professional one. Yeah. And, and and, yeah, and and we have to support each other in that. But at the same time, it's like, I'm also just figuring this out too. I'm also, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think being better involves a lot of vulnerability, right? Being a willingness, uh, having a willingness to, to just say like, you know, I fucked up. All right, like yeah. there are mm-hmm. things I don't know. Mm-hmm. These things I'm right. bad at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's so right. And that's kind of where I was, like, what I got was getting at when I said, we're really good at talking about our successes. Right. Right. But there was a, there was a point in time where it's like, okay, but I, I know like we all, you only get to success. You're not successful the whole time you, you know, right. the whole time. Right, right. <laughs> like you're, you're going to run into challenges. You're going to run into roadblocks. And within that is so much opportunity for learning right right? and so much so you don't repeat those mistakes you know like goodness like how many (laughs) how many history books do we need to show us that uh there's a whole there's a whole roadmap of like how things get worse (laughs) 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 we've been in some really bad spots as a society like can we not repeat these things over again? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> can we learn? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the road to success is paved with failure, but you have to recognize that you failed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If, yes. You, if you think your failure successes, that, that's when you just keep failing. Yeah. And then, so it, it does take being able to admit that like, oh, wait, that wasn't the best way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Why do we do it like that? Okay. What should we shift to not do that again? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And there's a there's a there's a sense of humility in that, mm-hmm. right? And like you said, like vulnerability, and and honestly, it's just human, right? Like, and it just let's what's all we're, no, nobody is perfect, and and no one has the answers. I mean, we are living in a system that is designed for so many of us to fail. Mm-hmm. First of all, designed for so many of us to not even interact and communicate with one another, mm-hmm. and so like there is such a important recognition in the fact that like we're already subverting so much of the plan of oppression (laughs) by just living and, and, and doing the best we can. So like, that's, 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 that's a celebration in itself. Yeah. Well, and I think we're also (laughs) in a society that like, uh, that 
uh, right? That that our social response, like our kind of socially accepted response to failure, is to be defensive, right? Rather mm. than just be like, "Oh yeah, mm. I I erred. Let me improve." It's just like it's to deny, right? It's like, no, yeah. I did not fail. <laughs> right? <I> did, yeah. <laughs> like, who are you to say that I failed? <laughs> and then, right, then that that, it, that is the big impediment to growth. So I think, right, like being more human and being more humane and accepting that, like, yeah. right, like we are imperfect, mm-hmm. that we are flawed and that we embrace the fact that we fail as learning opportunities, right? If we were better at that, I think we'd be better at many other things. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh yeah. There, and that that takes that takes practice. Yes. <laughs> and that takes it takes a, it's it can be challenging, of course, but um yeah, just giving people that space, you know, space and grace can go a long way. At this point of our conversation, there was a bit of a jump in topic that was spurred by me asking Janice to talk about some of her work. That said, despite the discontinuity, we settled back into discussion about the sort of skills, knowledge, and strategies that are helpful for promoting equity and sustainability. More specifically, Janice told me about organizing to build collective power to more effectively challenge established systems and her process of connecting the dots to think and act more holistically to work towards greater sustainability. I would say that where I kind of really got my first cut into uh, environmental organizing is um, way back in uh, way back in 2007 when I was a freshman at Hamlin University. Uh, I, w- I was worked with the organization MPERG. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with that, too, it was the Minnesota Public Interest Research Group. So, you know, there's like there's like the U.S. PERG. So they had like campus college ch- uh, chapters all across college campuses. Right. Mm-hmm. So MPERG was the Minnesota one. Uh, and our very first very first campaign was to get recycling bins across the whole campus because mm-hmm. they didn't exist across the whole campus. Yeah. In 2007, I was very, very confused. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and so there was like, th- there was like three dip- buildings that you could bring your recycling to across the campus of Hamlin. Wow. And, and again, in 2007. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, like, this isn't like, this doesn't seem too difficult. Like, can we just, can I literally just, I would literally drag some recycling bins over to this building. Can we just at least, can we just split them up so that like people don't have to walk their recycling? you know, across the campus just to make sure it can get recycled. Mm. Um, But, you know, but of course things are never so simple, right? (laughs) Uh, So, so like that very first campaign of just trying to make sure that there was a bin in every building uh, put me on a path of like, so this is what organizing is, right? Mm. Like we're, we're out canvas canvassing the student body, like our classmates, faculty, we have to, t- I had to talk to the building maintenance folks about like, how is this going to impact their work? Having to talk to the, the Dean's office, having to have it get voted on by the student body to like, <laughs> make sure we can just have recycling. This. I'm like, yeah. this, this takes this much work <laughs> just so I don't have to like, Again, walk my bottles across the campus when right. I, you know, wear in class middle. But like, just to make sure that they that our, we we are, you know, to, and to think about this being a space. So like, my, going into my freshman year of college, like again, I've always like known I love like have a love for the environment. Mm-hmm. I always knew that like there's, I wanted to do something with it, but I I never knew I didn't know what that looked like for me. I certainly didn't think that it looked like being a scientist or you know it's obviously no shape but i just i know that that's not my strength (laughs) but somehow my strength was in like or was in organizing was in communicating was in talking with people about issues and so just just seeming something seemingly simple i thought it was simple of um making sure there was recycled 
link cans across the campus. Uh, But definitely opened my eyes to, well, there's a whole set of systems, right, that you have to navigate in order to... I mean, make make an appeal to those in power, mm. right? This, this is really about power mapping is really what it taught me of mm. uh, that. Again, there's, you, you've got all these different actors who are going to have a, or have to have a say in whatever decision gets made that you have to appeal to. And alongside that, you know, there's the people in power, but there's also like, well, but we have power. Like, what about us students who just want to have a recycling bin across the campus? Like, right. What is what does it mean to activate on an idea that once you realize, oh, this, this is all the opposition, or this is at least a, at least this is all the like the obstacles I'm going to have to face. How do I face this? Well, I can't face it by myself, right? Like to that's that's there that seems that seems impossible. <laughs> Nothing's impossible, I suppose, but like, but certainly not impossible when you build power, right? Uh, and so, yeah, that's. Get, that really set me on my path of organizing. So mm. to kind of tick through all the other things I've done, <laughs> I've organized with Oxfam around food justice and kind of like global climate change impacts. And, uh, you know, wh- what what is what is the cli- climate change? What is that looking like on a global scale? Right. Um, definitely kind of that really spanned like gender justice. That was a really important education for me around, well, this is how it's impacting women and mm-hmm. children across the world. Um, it definitely also had me beginning to learn how to interrogate capitalism and like corporate accountability, where that was very much so like, oh, wait, wait a minute, there's all these companies that have certainly, of course, have a lot of political influence um, that also, yeah, started to push me towards that being organizing with Oxfam started to push me towards policy. Right. And uh, again, of kind of like understanding the the power mapping between, well, you have all it's it's like if I can draw out like what the problem is, what the solution is, but there's all the stuff in between. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how how do you navigate that? Um, so yeah, so that again was kind of like my like food justice, global climate climate change perspectives, gender justice, corporate accountability. I've organized around labor rights with raising the minimum wage at the state level. Mm-hmm. That was with an organization called Working America. Uh, that was probably like 2010, 2011 or so, um, and that that certainly helped me to understand again certainly about building power right the power of workers right, <laughs> i mean right. it just like the whole labor movement in general like is that's really the the that's the that's the core theme in my mind is the the power of the collective right. uh and what does it mean when you can you can build that by sharing that identity as a worker mm-hmm. um and and certainly the need of like raising the minimum wage. Oh my goodness! I remember back then we were you know we tried for fifteen and had to settle at twelve fifty, yeah. and that wasn't ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and we're <laughs> still here trying to fight for fifteen. Blows <laughs> oh. yeah. my mind. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. There's I, I've got more. If you want me to keep going. <laughs> no, no, please. No, no. Right, because I, I think there's these are all, like right. The things you're saying are all super instructive. I think for folks, right? Like, because I, I think your course of your career really kind of highlights the broad ranges of areas that we need to integrate and bring together when we're thinking about sustainability. So, please continue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Thank you. And that that again was where. Because even back then, I wasn't. I still didn't really have the language of environmental justice, and didn't really like. Still wasn't sure how labor mm-hmm. and 
international like relations and uh corporate accountability like how how are these things fitting together but it's like i was starting to put it's trying to like gather the pieces of the puzzle right. i'm starting to gather it um i've worked in again healthcare of mm-hmm. um i worked on a campaign to um when mensure first came around you know, the state health insurance exchange yes. uh so getting people signed up for mensure and definitely getting an education in well, what does it mean to have healthcare? Oh, a lot of this is tied to employment. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and for the fact that so many people were living without health insurance, I mean, hearing so many people's stories about how they hadn't been to the doctor in years, like one, because they just felt like they didn't have the access to it. They didn't mm-hmm. have the, they couldn't afford it. Uh, they didn't trust it. Right? Like there's a, there's a lot of elements around healthcare that was like I said, I got a major education in, and and then again, where that fits in the environment is like, well, your environment dictates so much of your health, right? Like, right. if you're living in a heavily polluted, heavily polluted neighborhood and you're breathing in toxic air all the time, what kind of impacts is that going to have on your respiratory health? And if you can't afford or have the access to or have the time to or don't trust seeing anybody to get care for that then you're just left to deal with this on your own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So many, so many uh, important questions that like, uh, then that are then extrapolated by race, right? Extrapolated by class, mm-hmm. by gender, by neighborhood you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, so from there, I worked in an organization called Neighborhoods Organizing for Change, where it was largely, it was an organization that was focused on black liberation. Mm-hmm. And so I worked in, um, the neighborhood of North Minneapolis with amazing people, specifically around uh, the issue of the incinerator that's located in Minneapolis. It's called the Herc. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kind of issues of, well, like, first of all, like the fact that we burn our garbage <laughs> to deal mm. with our waste is to, is to burn it, certainly largely across Minnesota is to burn it mm-hmm. uh, and then bury it, right? That's landfilling as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the myriad of health issues and climate impacts that come from burning trash <laughs> like yeah. and yeah you know trash all sorts of trash right i mean everything from things that could be recycled like paper and glass to yeah. cans to plastics right to food waste to mattresses <laughs> all yeah. sorts of things are getting burned in this place and uh knowing that like for the neighborhoods that are uh surround that surround the incinerator the again that like I said, you're living in a neighborhood that's heavily polluted. It's also compounded by freeways. It's compounded by other types of different mm-hmm. um, hazardous material waste sites. Uh, how, how If you're living in an environment like that, how is that going to affect your relationship to it? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you even like it's hard to even want to go play at a park, right? When there's when it smells all the time yeah. do you want to go outside well, and you know so so many things yeah. oh no no and i was gonna say and right everyone has asthma because you're just breathing in all that particulate matter yeah. yes yeah yeah and then like you know not to mention like we ever the that this pandemic all of a sudden comes around mm-hmm. right and knowing that it's like a respiratory thing right like it's being transmitted by the air you're breathing that's why we all have to wear masks and like thinking like even even with the smoke recently right from all the wildfires mm-hmm. i mean i was walking i mean i walk around with my mask on anyway but like <laughs> when when there when it was so smoky outside i was like so this is why people wear masks just because of the pollution in in general not to mention like a pandemic yeah and it's just like this so again this is like this is why for me environmental justice is my lens right it is the umbrella to 
really kind of comprehend all these different problems, all these different consequences of how we as humans have been treated by other humans, right? How we treat each other and how we treat the planet. And they are interlocking for a reason. And that, and like that, and the need, my need to like interrogate those reasons based on identity, mm-hmm. right? That that's what it is for me as a black woman, as a daughter of Cherokee heritage, mm-hmm. like living in this country. Like these are the reasons why I have to view like the types of oppression with this understanding of EJ, because I cannot separate the environment from me, (laughs) even though that is something that like (laughs) dominant culture might want us, might want you to think (laughs) that you are separate from it, that, that, you know, man can like manipulate and control the environment, which is like clearly not true. (laughs) Um, uh, But like, that's a, that's a, that's a, a narrative which is again back to my point about why narrative is important. Right. That's a narrative that at least certainly going through like school, like academic school mm-hmm. of of learning about environmental policy and environmental science, like that was such a even like philosophy that was such a dominant narrative yeah. of like this is like our envir- like state of environmentalism by all these white men who thought you could control it by the same type of white men who also were super racist yeah. and super sexist. Like what? <laughs> and I'm like this all sounds really messed up to me. I don't think I agree with, I can't agree with any of this. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, if you look at the, right, the history of, you know, the, 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 like the history of colonialism and like the history of the United States or just like sort of the history of the last 200 years, right? It is, exactly. it, it is a history of like Europeans traveling around the world and then wanting to turn the, turn the environment to be more like Europe. Right. Yeah. Regardless of who's mm-hmm. there and what, you know, how they have related with the environment. Exactly. Exactly. And like, this is the consequence of that. Like we have been living in the, the system that we live in is the consequence of all that. And, and for that being allowed to be a, a dominant worldview. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the only, it's the only way yeah. <laughs> we get ourselves out of this <laughs> is that like, we can't keep, not that, that I know many of us do not ascribe to it, but like we can't keep like allowing this to be um, the way that our, our world is controlled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this actually leads me to uh, the next mm-hmm. question I want to ask you. So, um, yes. right. You've done a whole bunch of things like, uh, but it seems to me that uh, a key part of all the stuff you've done is, is, uh, is organizing and like coalition building and like building solidarity and engaging folks. Could you say a little bit about like, the importance of that and how you approach it. Right. So like, Absolutely. right. Cause I mean, I think the, the thing we need to really think a lot about when it comes to like sustainability and environmental and equity movements is how do we build those coalitions, right? Like how do we bring together folks with common cause who, right? Like the sort of the, the dominant narratives and the, the, the dominant culture and then the dominant institutions push apart, right? Like all the stories we mm. tell, like, suggest that we should be thinking of each other as competitors for like a, a finite mm-hmm. set of resources. Well, in fact, you know, right. we, we would normally have common cause trying to get access to the resources away from like the handful of folks who have them. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Solidarity, mm-hmm. building power and, and, and sharing, sharing in that common struggle, I think is, is, is definitely that running theme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like, 
how, how, how do we do this? <laughs> um, I, uh, again, you know, it's like so much of it is you just go by doing, right. Mm-hmm. You go by doing and you go at, you go at a speed of trust with folks mm-hmm. and, 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 and with yourself too, right? Like it, this work is, is, is so, like I said, it's really emotional because mm-hmm. it's so personal. Um, and you want to build, like I, I, I work to build relationships with people in this, in these movements, mm-hmm. you know, also again, relationship with the environment, like my, to, if I may like to talk about my own personal relationship with the environment for what I call for my side of my, my place in the environment, mm-hmm. right. Is, is like, how, how do I be, you know, just be more like, how do I just walk more gently on this earth? Right. Like, how do mm-hmm. I know that, or at least just be more aware about my own impacts and, and this is, I struggle so much with this because it's like, there's the personal, <laughs> the like, you know, you can do your part yeah. to save the environment where it's like, okay, yes. And <laughs> there's a whole, again, there's whole systemic structure here <laughs> that like, I'm so thankful that I like, I love my garden. Like one of the things I do that I think is the most impactful thing is to grow food. Right. That's what, but it's like, I have the space to do that. I have the time to do, the, to do that. I have the interest in it. I like doing it. So I put my energy into it, mm-hmm. but like, you know, but I'm not going to tackle the whole like a- industrial agriculture system that has a huge role in <laughs> contributing to, to climate change and to, you know, carbon, like yeah. with my one little garden, um, not to be defeatist about that, but like it is a both. And, and so right. to your, to your question, right around, like, this is why it's so important to build power, to to be in coalition with other with other people, to to build solidarity because we need we need each other mm-hmm. to support each other. Like it's this again, this work is emotional. It is hard. It is mm-hmm. taxing. It is exhausting. It is, <laughs> uh, and and you need you need those support structures just to keep going, mm-hmm. just to keep going. And you can't go alone. You can't you can't go it alone. Um, but how you do that? Mm-hmm it starts with just a conversation yeah and and you and again with why that's why it's so important to like tell stories as you're you know comfortable as you're able and like that's how you build trust and build when you can share a little bit of vulnerability about yourself and connect deeply with someone else because you you never know what you you might find that you have in common right Mm -hmm. like to say like oh yeah oh actually oh maybe i did oh i have an experience that's similar to this or yeah, my family is actually from the South too, you know, like mm-hmm. you never know where you might find those commonalities that, that can span, that can then span and, and deepen into, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's make a direct action right now about this incinerator because it is uh, polluting our neighborhoods, you know, like that's what I used to do, what I used to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but that's the importance of, I think, of, of building solidarity and, and again, too, in all the kind of like different ways of like how issues connect with one another to kind of go back to that too of like whether you're it's in like labor or education or housing or um food justice like there's some water like there's so many different ways i think that there are different issues that mm-hmm. people can have entry points into when it comes to climate and environmental justice that like you find your thing but it's inevitably going to lead you into more of that center of that that intersectional organizing right. and because you'll find all the ways that they connect together we've reached the end of another episode of just sustainability in this episode, Janice Watts and I spoke about the path she took and some of the lessons that she learned throughout her career. 
More specifically, we'll learn about how Janice has approached connecting the various dots, bringing together sustainability and equity, as well as she has approached building coalitions to challenge the status quo. Next episode, please join me to listen to the conclusion of the conversation between Janice Watts and I. Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute in the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth, and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.